The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense policies, positions, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center, also known as DIVBIC. I'm your host today, Donald Marion. Today I'll be speaking with Amanda Gonneau about a recently published article on traumatic brain injury. Amanda and I will discuss a study entitled Neuroendocrine Function and Associated Mental Health Outcomes Following Mild Traumatic Brain Injury in OEF-Deployed Service Members. This is a study that was published by Stephanie Sirlone and her colleagues, and it was published in the Journal of Neuroscience Research in March of 2020. Hi, Amanda, and thanks for bringing this article to our attention today. Can you tell me a little bit about this study? Hi, Don. Sure, I'd be happy to. So this study examined 131 patients that were seen during deployment at the Concussion Restoration Care Center, or CRCC, at Camp Leatherneck in Afghanistan from 2010 to 2012. So all the patients were active duty service members that were deployed in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Of those service members, 59 had been diagnosed with a concussion and 72 were considered to be concussion negative. So medical records and blood samples were collected before injury and for up to three years after injury for the majority of patients. The serum levels of anterior pituitary hormones were then correlated with mental health outcomes. So compared with the non-concussed group, serum levels of LH or luteinizing hormone and testosterone were significantly decreased at three years after injury and cortisol was significantly decreased at one year after injury. The study found that 47.6% of head injured service members had hypofunction, which was defined as a decrease in hormone levels from baseline in at least one of the five anterior pituitary hormones post-injury. Mental health disorders in general, specifically anxiety disorders, were seen more often in concussed service members with deficiencies of one or more of the anterior pituitary hormones. So, Don, it's really important to note here that the researchers did not describe clinically relevant hormone levels or actual diagnosed neuroendocrine disorders. So they only compared pre-deployment levels to post-deployment levels. In other words, they didn't find that service members with deficient testosterone levels had impotence or other endocrinopathies specifically related to that hormone, but just that their levels were decreased from baseline. Did they, Amanda, did they um, tell you what the baselines were or, or what the threshold was below which you're calling these hormones deficient? You know, they did not define a specific baseline threshold. And so they just defined a deficiency as anything lower than their baseline. I see. So I guess it's important to note that while the study is examining a change in hormone levels pre and post concussion, there are a lot of other things that can impact those hormone levels. Amanda, I know that most previous studies, including a DIVBIC study by Therese West and Steve Sharp, published in 2014, found that growth hormone is the most common anterior pituitary hormone affected by TBI. Yet this study found no significant differences in growth hormone between the control and concussed patients over the three-year period. How, How do you explain that, Amanda? Yeah, so I think this could probably be explained by how the samples were tested, and um, I'll get into that a little bit more when we discuss the limitations section of this study. 
That's a great segue into how, how was the study done, Amanda? Sure. So this study was a retrospective case control study that examined 59 positive concussion patients and 79 concussion negative controls who were seen at the CRCC in Afghanistan from 2010 to 2012. The study then examined the difference in five different hormones, testosterone, luteinizing hormone, or LH, human growth hormone, cortisol, and prolactin from samples obtained before deployment and then for up to three years after deployment. The study team used serum samples that were obtained from the Department of Defense Serum Repository, along with demographic and concussion data that was obtained from service members' medical records in the CRCC database. All right, Amanda, just so I get this straight, all of these service members were referred to Camp Leatherneck or the CRCC, but once they got there, only 59 of those service members were determined to have had a concussion. The other 79 were determined not to have had a concussion, even though they were referred there. Is that correct? Correct. So those service members were likely just referred for a concussion evaluation for being exposed to a potentially concussive event or something like that. And then once they were evaluated, were determined to be concussion negative. Great. It's my understanding they used the Department of Defense definition for concussion in diagnosing concussion, correct? That's correct. So okay. alteration of consciousness, loss of consciousness, or post-traumatic amnesia, so a memory gap, would be the DOD definition of concussion. Great. What exactly is the DOD serum repository? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Don. The DOD serum repository is part of the Armed Forces Health Services branch. And it stores serum samples from active duty service members who are required to provide samples pre and post deployment, as well as every two years for a routine HIV test. So those samples are then frozen and stored and then made available to researchers within the DOD for military relevant research. That sounds like a great resource uh, for this kind of research. Thanks, Amer uh, Amanda. Um, uh, finally, what were the limitations of the study? Yeah, so well, Don, there were several things that limit the clinical applicability of these study findings. And one of the biggest ones is that those blood samples used to test these hormones was taken from that DOD serum repository. And in order to get an accurate clinical result for lots of these levels, those tests need to be drawn at, at certain times of the day. So the study could not really control for that. And additionally, to further test for disorders like adrenal insufficiency, provocative or stimulation tests would need to be completed in order to get an accurate result. So provocative tests like uh, ACTH stim test, in insulin tolerance tests, or glucagon stimulation tests are, in fact, the recommended methods for obtaining accurate results for a lot of these deficiencies, and those tests were, were not done. And that could be one of the reasons that the investigators did not detect low growth hormone levels, to get back to your question from earlier. Sure. So the rationale for this study also was to look at the effect of BLAST as a mechanism of TBI and a cause for neuroendocrine dysfunction, but the study listed that nearly 40% of their TBI group did not have a BLAST as the known mechanism of injury. So we thought that was a limitation as well. And then finally, the study didn't really take into account other factors that can influence these hormone levels, specifically in the military community, um, altered sleep schedules or chronic high stress situations that can contribute to the altered hypopituitary axis function. So um, those were some limitations. 
That makes a lot of sense, Amanda. Finally, what would you consider the key takeaways? And by that, I mean, what would you want providers to take away from this podcast? Yeah, so the findings from this study were a little soft, but it does appear that blast-induced concussion may be associated with a mild, though significant, reduction in serum LH and testosterone levels. And there is some evidence that reduction may be associated with increased anxiety levels in active duty service members. Um, But, you know, the most important thing that I took from this study, Don, was that further research really is needed before we can truly determine the impact of head injury on neuroendocrine dysfunction. So I hope that future studies determine if hormone replacement therapy is effective in treating mental health or behavioral problems that may be attributed to hormone deficiency. And, you know, this study just wasn't designed in that fashion. So Thanks, Amanda. Sounds like there are important limitations to this study. So I really appreciate your bringing that to our attention. That's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes of Cubist by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discussed and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode. Next time, we will discuss TBI research getting attention in the mainstream press.